We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. You know who I love most? My people. The KJ Podcast is back in San Francisco. Spent 10 days on the East Coast, feeling recharged, refreshed, reinvigorated like your new look San Francisco 49ers. Week 6 was the KJ Bowl, team I grew up rooting for and the first team I covered the Redskins. Battled the 49ers 26-24. Washington prevails so many things to get into this podcast do a little bit of teasing here for you navarro bowman was the big storyline going into the whole game i'll have some thoughts on that on why i i kind of foreshadowed that situation coming definitely going to have thoughts on the 0-6 49ers the records that they're setting and why it's just really hard to be discouraged about this team But let's be honest, this podcast is going to focus on a certain rookie's debut. Didn't come out of nowhere exactly, was definitely surprising, very encouraging. I'll talk about the good and the bad points. C.J. Beathard makes his debut week five in Washington. His grandfather, the GM, Bobby Beathard, of those Redskins Super Bowl winning teams, 
talk about history intersecting there. Leads a 17-point comeback, nearly topples a very good Redskins defense. He had zero running game. I mean, the 49ers outscored Washington 24-9 when C.J. Beathard came in six minutes left in the second quarter. Listen, nothing really flashy from C.J. Beathard. Not like he was out there looking like Deshaun Watson or lighting the scoreboard up necessarily, but I'm saying coming in cold, not having the full week of practice as the starter is a very difficult thing. He goes 19 of 36, 245 yards, one touchdown thrown, one interception, sacked twice. I'm impressed. I got to be honest. I didn't think that he could walk in and do this. I normally don't do this on the podcast. We're kind of just going to go through some of his plays. The 49ers haven't had many meaningful plays this year. They've had themes, but now they have a young quarterback walking in and, and doing this. Eight of the drives, three results in touchdowns. It was the last touchdown drive that was obviously the most impressive. 49ers trailing 26-17, four minutes, 54 seconds left. You're thinking, ah, whatever, let's let's see what we got. C.J. Beathard comes out, six plays, 75 yards, gets this score to 26-24, and even gets the ball back with a chance to win here. It's that second-to-last drive, makes a nice third-down throw to Trent Taylor, middle of the field, moves the chains. A couple plays later, he's making a really mobile scramble, getting out of the pocket, 14 yards up the field, nice little pump fake on that. I knew that C.J. Beathard could stand tall in the pocket. That's why Kyle drafted him from Iowa in the third round. Most people were shocked when that happened because he was a sixth to seventh round guy in most mocks. Kyle liked that. Kyle also saw this, the off-schedule plays. He's as mobile as Kirk Cousins, if not more. That was very surprising to see that, especially in a drive where you're trying to win the game there. And then Beathard makes... A 45-yard touchdown throw off his back foot. Ball traveled from the 45-yard line to the 10. I got people tweeting me about his arm. I called that a big arm throw. Did he make big arm throws the whole time? No. He has to work on some velocity issues, but stepping up in the pocket, it was a busted coverage. Still made the play with his feet not set. I like that throw to Aldrich Robinson. Results in a touchdown. This is a rookie coming in and playing for the first time in the NFL against a damn good Redskins defense leading you in essentially two two-minute drill touchdown drives. 49ers fans don't get to be happy and encouraged really at all the last four years. Take today and actually be happy. Be encouraged that you had a rookie quarterback walk in, make a debut, and look like a middle-tier quarterback right away. Now, he's going to have struggles. He's going to have games where we're going to rip our hair out and say C.J. Beathard is definitely not the future. He strings together five, six, seven performances like he did in Washington. He's going to start the rest of the season. If he plays more like this than he does struggle, all of a sudden you're talking in the offseason, are we actually drafting a quarterback? Are we going to take a Saquon Barkley from Penn State? Are we going to take another pass rusher, a top corner? All of a sudden, if you're not absolutely obsessed with Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, do you need a quarterback? Now, it's ridiculous to talk about this. This is one small sample size, but these are conversations that are going to start to play out in Santa Clara with John Lynch, with Kyle Shanahan. I don't think it would make sense to draft another quarterback in the third or fourth round next year if C.J. Beathard plays well enough. He's at least your backup and potentially 
your starter. But, of course, you need elite talent at the quarterback position to win in this league. If they don't think that he can win playoff games and win a shootout against Dak Prescott, then he shouldn't be their guy going forward. There will be a little debate about the timing of C.J. Beathard entering the starting lineup. Did Shanahan give Hoyer too long of a leash? I'm not with that. I really think that Brian Hoyer had been in the league nine years already. He started a bunch of games. There's no way you're drafting a third-round pick, throwing him in there. I don't think we would have seen C.J. Beathard week one do what he did in Washington week five. He needed to process some information, travel with the team, be more in the meeting room, see what game plans are like, see Hoyer make mistakes. I think that was huge for him, not just in the preseason and training camp, but see Hoyer make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. And really, because of the Bowman situation, I thought Hoyer was on the clock entering the game too. I remember a couple weeks back in the podcast, I said he'll get the Colts game and the Redskins game, and he was on the clock in the Redskins game. The offense wasn't doing much. You could tell he's obviously not happy with himself. He left his helmet on the whole time on the sideline. He was hoping to get back in, kind of just staring blankly, processing it all. Brian Hoyer didn't perform to the level that he thought he could, to what Kyle thought he could, to what I thought he could. You know, we saw in practice Brian Hoyer was a much different quarterback. Situations did not help him. The interior offensive line, not much of a running game, the drops. But he wasn't good enough. He wasn't elevating really much of the talent. Seamless transition here with C.J. Beathard so far. I mean, Kyle, right after the game, said he's our starter moving forward. Normally coaches, even if it's close, will say, i got to go back and look at the tape. There was none of that from Kyle Shanahan. He was convinced right away. And he said the right things, too. I agree. The game didn't look too big for C.J. Beathard. Now, they changed the offense, I think, a little bit. Way more two-step drops, not even a three-step drop. Two-step drop and C.J. Beathard dumping the ball off uh, to Selleck for his first completion. He had a couple other uh, of those to Carlos Hyde. He was operating more out of the no-huddle, two-minute situation. Clearly, that's one of his strengths. Uh, very little play action was used. I think he does have trouble turning his back to the defense, talking with some scouts about that right when he was drafted. But basically, this season went from unwatchable and and dreadful. You had your couple Brian Hoyer savants that worshipped him like Grant Cohn that really didn't think he was a problem. But to most of us, this was the right move to make at the right time. C.J. Beathard, even if he came in and flopped, I would have said this was the right time for him to come in. This team is headed for... As I've said, 115, 2-14, 3-13. Now, it's not a completely wasted season because C.J. Beathard, you're going to figure out who he is. He's not going to just be making starts in November, December. We're going to figure out how good he is by January. Not a full scope because you really need about 30 NFL starts as a quarterback to determine who you are. But let's see, he's going to get nine here no 10 he's going to get 10 starts he's going to appear in 11 games his rookie season that's barring no injuries or anything let's hope he can stand upright but that's going to be a big enough sample size to determine a are we keeping him as a starter or backup b could we trade him for a third or fourth round pick all of a sudden there's reasons to watch 49ers games on a sunday now not just the development of reuben foster and and the defense 
It's, hey, we took a quarterback in the third round. We hadn't really done something like this in a lot of previous regimes. We're way worse than we thought we were going to be. So it's time to at least have some type of decision come out of this season. Is C.J. Beathard a good enough quarterback to start in the NFL and lead you to the playoffs? Again, that's going to be a tough determination. But if he plays like he did in Washington majority of the time, you you might be talking about your 2018 starter because he's also very cheap. You can continue to fill out the roster. I think there will be way more trades this offseason from the 49ers, not just free agency to fill more some of the holes. I mean, they're first in the league in drops. They're second in the league in missed tackles. There's a reason why they're losing all these close games. I've tweeted it and I keep saying it. They're playing poker without 52 cards. There's not elite talent at any position. We can go into some of the performances on defense, might as well. You have Jimmy Ward make a fantastic fumble recovery opportune time, but too many times he's not the last line of defense here. You have Chris Thompson running wild in the back end. Jimmy Ward has not been the Earl Thomas cleanup, and you've seen the 49ers the last few weeks get gashed for some big plays. Ray Ray Armstrong again, too. He's looked good at linebacker, but he gets beat by Vernon Davis there. Brock Coyle has a really tough day. I and mean, the Redskins came in with a game plan. We're attacking their linebackers in coverage, and they did it very successfully. Solomon Thomas, nine tackles, one sack, was definitely active. Definitely is trending more towards good player than bust. I mean, he's not a bad player at all, but the whiffs in the backfield have got to stop. Kirk Cousins basically pulled an Allen Iverson on him. Key play, third and goal. It's a quarterback keeper option read and Solomon Thomas I, I don't I think he knew that Kirk was gonna keep it. He just he didn't make a play. He got he gets in the backfield often, but he doesn't really wrap up and finish the play. I respect his ability to get in the backfield. He's a he's proven that in his rookie year. Um nine tackles will say otherwise. He was very good against the run. The run defense was has been great. It was great against the Redskins. No one galloped over him there. Just he had a, a key chance to prevent a touchdown from happening. Kirk Cousins walks in the end zone, uh, slaps hands with all the Redskins fans there. That pretty much sealed the deal. The Redskins went up nine. That's a play. If it's made there, it's a field goal. C.J. Beathard drives and scores a touchdown there. You're talking about getting your first win using a rookie quarterback, a rookie D lineman, a rookie in the slot, a rookie at tight end. You're feeling really good coming back from 17 points down. It's those type of plays right there that are the difference between a win-loss. Solomon Thomas makes that play. We're talking about him today as part of a huge win. He misses it. His stats still look good, but it's he's the number three overall pick. He's got to make that play in the future. He can't let a middle-tier athleticism quarterback and Kirk Cousins be shaking him out of his shoes like that. Speaking of Kirk, I thought he was all right. I mean, there was some lulls in the play calls there. Maybe in the third quarter, the Redskins caught some bad breaks. Just felt like they fell asleep at the wheel. Made the big play late. They made big plays early. Cousins, over 300 yards. He does that every week. Wasn't like he really was magnificent, though. But that's the thing. He's got more talent around him. He'll take what the defense gives him. He really will. He's he's gotten a lot better at not forcing interceptions. The one interception was a, almost a punt on third down. Richard Robinson made a nice play on that. He's stepped his game up. 
I just don't know if Kirk Cousins is worth that amount of money at this period in time. If this was two or three years down the road and the 49ers could establish that they could win games, that they have more playmakers. Kirk Cousins has always had a really good receiving core, a really good offensive line. The running game has been up and down in Washington, but I mean, he's benefited from not only the guys he has now, but Pierre Garçon, obviously, Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Reed. He's not walked into a situation. The the 49ers are not going to be up and running next season. I mean, the storyline coming out of this game isn't Cousins slam dunk to 49ers. I've been saying it for weeks. It feels more, or excuse me, it feels less and less likely that he's coming out here for that amount of money now. I get it. The counterpoint is the 49ers are the first team to lose by three points in five straight weeks. That's never happened. A team hasn't been this close without finishing. Wouldn't Kirk Cousins be the difference there between three points, considering what Hoyer has done at quarterback? I get that argument, but I I don't think it's as easily transferable. I just don't. I, I see at max... The 49ers becoming what the Redskins are now in a six or seven year Kirk Cousins tenure, nine and seven pretty much every year, hoping to win a first round playoff game. It's not ready yet. It's not ready for him to walk in here yet. If he comes in a couple of years, that's that's not going to happen. He's getting a long term contract somewhere. So, hey, he did nothing to really blow me away. I get it. Sixteen game season. He he blew away the Raiders. He's going to blow away some teams, but. Um, Against a bad secondary, I don't know. I, I was expecting more from him. The youth movement is on for the 49ers. That is clear. If we're going to play C.J. Bathard like this and George Kittle like this, listen, I don't want to write off Marquise Goodwin yet. He's definitely been okay the last couple weeks. Made a nice catch early on, diving from C.J. Bathard there in the second quarter. But to be honest, I'd like to see Kendrick Bourne. I'd like to see Victor Bolden Jr., some of these other receivers, if we're going to go full youth, if we're going to get rid of Bowman, Bench, Hoyer, look at some of these different options here with younger players, I think it's time to look at those two undrafted receivers you had. I, w- I was early on that. I called both those guys making the team. I think there's a reason. And if you're going to say, hey, the point of this season is to figure out if C.J. Beathard is, can be our guy, can be a guy for us maybe uh, – Maybe he's your stopgap next year and you you love the 2019 quarterbacks. If you're going to do that with him, you might as well do it at receiver too. This is a test run year. This is how well do we do scouting-wise. Can these guys walk into the league and make some plays right away? So far, yeah, the rookie class has been pretty good. Even Akella Witherspoon is now rotating on the field with Dante Johnson and Richard Robinson. This is a time to see if your draft picks are working or not. 49ers, I'm glad they did this now. Can you imagine if they went a couple more weeks with Hoyer, if they were stubborn about this and said, you know what, we're so close, we're so close. Kyle isn't going to be stubborn. If a change needs to be made, he will make it. I get that other people said bringing in Hoyer was a mistake. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe this is the most competitive tanking we've ever seen. They knew that Hoyer wasn't going to be able to win football games here, but he was going to be able to establish and get the offense up and running. Listen, Kyle is very smart, very forward-thinking, has a backup plan for every plan he makes. C.J. Beathard, they drafted him much earlier than anyone expected. I asked Kyle the night they drafted C.J. Beathard, is there a chance that he could play this season, chance that he could beat Hoyer in training camp? 
He said no chance that he could beat Hoyer in training camp, but the best players will play. And at this point in time, C.J. Beathard is your quarterback going forward. Be excited. Be excited not just because he played well, but be excited because this team is trying to make a decision at a position. They're not going to get stuck in the Kaepernick trap that Chip Kelly got stuck in, in the Blaine Gabbert trap that Jim Tomsula got stuck in. It's not going to be a veteran quarterback here for the rest of the season. It's going to be a young guy. Let's figure out what he has. Um, I wouldn't be stunned if another team tries to trade for Hoyer. If He wasn't that horrible. If the Packers are really not going to do Kaepernick or really are struggling here or there's another injury, listen, the 49ers want to keep a, a backup just in case, but there could be a, you know, a sixth or a fifth rounder to be had for Hoyer just because – there's no there, there's injuries all the time, guys. But that youth movement did get kind of kicked off in a very surprising moment Friday. John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, two chairs set up at the press conference. You knew there was going to be some type of announcement. About an hour before they spoke, Adam Schefter had the tweet, 49ers shopping Navarro Bowman. Obviously, they contacted Schefter, wanted to get that out there, make sure all 31 teams knew what was happening, knew that he was available. Let's start with this. John Lynch is a PR master. He can come out and control the narrative. He even starts relating the Navarro Bowman story to himself in Denver, where he was with a coach he respected in Mike Shanahan. He knew his days were numbered really as a starter. John Lynch said, as a competitor, I didn't like it. I didn't want to be there. That was the sense they got from Navarro Bowman, not just with his interviews but they've they had meetings with him and drew rosenhaus and there was a worry that keeping bowman around and not playing him every snap was not going to be healthy for this football team they keep saying what's best for the football team bowman as a leader and as someone who could say this organization these are just two new guys this has been happening for a while now it could have undermined what they're trying to build they had to get rid of him i still think he's going to be a solid two down player in the league for a couple of seasons clearly the achilles injury did hamper his speed this was madden and he had an 85 speed before he's definitely down to an 80 possibly lower he's the nfl is changing he's more of your old school linebacker but this was not as much about his performance as it was Everyone in the locker room looks to him. He He's a 49ers legend. He might one day have his name in a ring of honor up there. Eight seasons, played on a Super Bowl team. One of the last of the Jim Harbaugh era players is now gone. I respect the transparency from John Lynch. I think when he comes out there, things are spun a lot more positively than what's actually happening. But I mean, I get Bowman's gripe here. He's coming off the field for Brock Coyle, who was awful against the Redskins. They targeted him so much in coverage on in screens. They probably would have done the same to Bowman, too. And it could have gotten ugly as well, but Bowman is your highest-paid defensive player. And you, you struggle with him as opposed to a special teamer who you're not going to build around. I completely understand his gripe. He had every reason to whine and bitch. It's it's tough to move on from players like this. The 49ers did so publicly in the middle of the season. They turned the page quickly with C.J. Beathard, too. It's a theme here. Kyle and John are talking to each other and realizing this will be a wasted season the more we're playing veterans and the more we're not figuring out getting younger players' experience here. 
I kind of saw this coming talking to a couple of people I do in Santa Clara. They really had no choice because they don't want everyone to be listening to Navarro Bowman. They want everyone to be listening to them. And granted, Kyle said, come see me if you have issues. They'll, they'll be as honest as possible. It's interesting it happened the way it did. I saw it coming. I, I got to applaud them here because it is best for the football team. They're exactly right. He wasn't going to give them a type of performance that was worth the headache of him potentially drawing people away from the ship. They're moving it in one direction. He's moving it in another. And that had more to do with it than his play. Yes, this is crazy. The 49ers are the best 0-6 NFL team of all time. A minus 33-point differential. Next closest was the 0-6 Chargers. From 2000, they had a minus 84-point differential. Fun facts for you. Jim Harbaugh on that team. So was Ryan Leaf. Curtis Conway. They had Junior Seau, Rodney Harrison. I mean, they had some names there. Ryan Leaf obviously struggled. That was, I think, his his third season. So, granted, the 49ers are in a better place than those 2,000 Chargers. I mean, you think about it. They're about to play a third-round pick who they're, you know, they took him in the third round. They don't know if this guy can be an NFL quarterback. He might. They might have thrown a dart at a balloon and hit one. They're playing a new defensive scheme that's stopping the run quite a bit. Their secondary's not good, but they're playing up and down. They're not playing down every single week. Their best player on defense has been out most of the season, Reuben Foster. He played one quarter and was the best player on the field. I think it was smart for Kyle to hold out Reuben Foster. There's You don't want to bring him back too early, and then he's back down. You have to make sure this ankle is completely healed. I know he's anxious, but he's a violent player. He's going to miss games in his career. Reuben Foster, I bet, will average 13 games per season. You're going to have to deal with some injuries with him with how much physicality and force that he brings. This could be so much worse, guys. In Cleveland, now it's your tour regime there. They're done with the season. They're... Done. Kevin Hogan comes in at quarterback, does awful. You got Deshaun Kaiser liking tweets from fans, calling the organization a joke, doesn't know what it's doing. Listen, things can be a lot messier at 0-6. It doesn't feel like 0-6. It feels so much better now that C.J. Beathard's here. Whether he struggles, whether he plays well, there's going to be some answers, some resolutions to this season. Building blocks are playing better. Solomon Thomas is up and down. You still have issues with drops, missed tackles. People are still watching this team, though. It's I think it's more watchable than Chip Kelly's product last year. And I'm not totally done with this team. They're, they're 0-6, but I'm looking forward to the game against the Cowboys. I'm looking forward to C.J. Beathard's first start, to whether Kendrick Bourne's going to be active. Let's let's see this 49ers team figure some things out, bring some additional pieces to the puzzle with them in the offseason. That's the KJ Podcast. We're back in the West Coast, feeling good, feeling recharged. Got some moves, some things that I might be announcing. Keep teasing you a little bit. I appreciate my 49ers faithful for tuning in, my friends back home, other NFL fans that have jumped on this bandwagon throughout my career. It really means a lot to me. This podcast, my Twitter account, that's where I'm talking these days. Hopefully, it'll be a lot more soon. All right, my peeps. Peace.
You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family has big plans for Labor Day weekend, but our outfits aren't measuring up. Then get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's huge Labor Day sale is on now. Get 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, 50% off all tees, and 50% off all sweatshirts and hoodies for the whole family. 50% off all those styles? That's a big deal. So is this. Styles start at just six bucks at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Change of plans. We're spending the weekend at Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 830-93. Excludes in-store clearance. Active licensed and men's package tees. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.